we are all on a journey. We build dreams and create expectations. When the road we're traveling isn't straight and smooth, we encounter unexpected detours. Road closure ahead. That delay us from moving forward. This is where dreams die and passions fade. Obstacle in road ahead. We can feel lost. Turn around when possible. But there's an alternate route. We can learn about navigating our expectations with a God who knows the way forward. Redirecting route. We're in the fourth week of our current message series looking at expectations. And we've been saying fall is a time for new beginnings and fresh starts. So it has lots and lots of expectations. Expectations are through the roof this time of year. But expectations are operating at least behind the scenes throughout the, the whole year. As we launched this series, we shared four key truths about expectations that are absolutely vital for us to grasp for our mental health and well-being. If we fail to grasp these truths, then, well, our expectations can actually work against us, even harm and hurt us. And so we said, truth number one, expectations are multifaceted. You have expectations for every area of your life, and so, so do I. Every, every day and all day long, we operate under expectations, simple expectations that are simply a part of our everyday life. Other expectations can be practical necessities, and still others we hold in our heart. They're near and dear to us. Expectations are multifaceted. Truth number two, expectations are a lens through which we evaluate life. When your job is meeting your expectations, you feel good about your job. You feel great about your job. When a family member does what you want them to do, you feel better about that family member. You actually feel closer to them. On the other hand, when you have expectations for someone or something and they're not meeting those expectations, you do not feel good about that relationship, that employee, that experience, that event. It can leave you feeling annoyed, even angry. Third truth about expectations. Expectations are a two-way street. While you have expectations for me, guess what? I have expectations for you, too. Expectations are placed on us all the time, at work and at school, in our family and our community, among friends and neighbors, and just as we evaluate others by how they're living up to the expectations we've formed for them, they're doing exactly the same thing. Expectation truth number four, we're responsible for managing our expectations. Managing expectations, first of all, and above all, is about knowing what expectations we have and hold. This might come as a surprise, but all of us have unarticulated expectations that sometimes we don't even think about. 
until that is, they go unmet. And then we think about them a lot. Knowing and naming the expectations you actually have is critical to managing expectations. But also critical, you've got to confirm that they're realistic. Last week, thanks to Father Nicholas, who filled in for me as I tended to some other responsibilities, we touched on God's expectation for us. Today, we're going to flip that. We're going to look at our expectations for God. It's true. You have expectations for God. And your thoughts about God and the church might be colored by whether God has exceeded your expectations or failed to meet them. If you feel like God has exceeded your expectations, then you probably feel pretty good about God and the church. If, on the other hand, you feel like you've been let down by God, God doesn't seem to be doing what you think he should be doing, what you expect him to do, then you probably do not feel good about God and, by extension, the church. And if that's you, if you feel like that, congratulations. You picked the perfect weekend to come to church because that is exactly what we're going to look at today. To help us out, we're going to look at a prophet from the Old Testament, a man of God who felt exactly the same way as you do. God was failing to meet his expectations, and we're going to look briefly at what he did about it. The prophet's name is Habakkuk. He's one of the so-called minor prophets of the Bible, which is not to suggest that he's less important than the others, but simply that his book is so much shorter than the others. Only three brief chapters. You can read the whole book in 15 minutes. Habakkuk lived about 600 years before Christ at a time of international crisis and national corruption in the nation of Judah. Unjust and evil people seemed to flourish while good people floundered and failed, leading Habakkuk to anger and frustration. And in anger and frustration, he cried out at one point, How long, O Lord? I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry out violence, but you do not intervene. Notice that Habakkuk is not afraid to voice frustration with God to God. It's, uh, you know, you might be... This might be the only point you need to take away to, from today's message. You might be like Habakkuk. You look at the problems in the world around you and wonder where God is. Why isn't God doing something about it? Well, it's okay to voice your frustrations with God to God, even if you're angry about it. He can take it. Habakkuk continues, and he continues to sound angry. Why do you let me see ruin? Why must I look at misery? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife. There's discord. Habakkuk sees the myriad problems all around him, and he asks, why? Why must he be a witness to it all? 
I've definitely felt like that. You probably have too over the last couple of years with COVID and all the other craziness that we've seen. Why do we have to witness it? When we see problems in the world, we could find ourselves lowering our expectations. Out of disappointment, you may be tempted to lower your expectations for your career, your family, your marriage, your kids, your own health and well-being. You could start lowering your expectations about God. Sure, God is good and he created us, but maybe that's it. Maybe that's all there is. We're all alone and on our own when it comes to life. That kind of thinking is a temptation. It's a big temptation to just sink into the status quo. What difference does it make? What difference does it make how I live my life or what I do? What difference does it make if I show up for church? What difference does it make if I keep praying? Nobody's listening anyway. What difference does it make? I felt like that from time to time, especially the time a number of years ago when we were really digging into the renewal and rebuilding of this parish. It was a very difficult time. And there were days when I just wanted to give up on my expectations for what God could do at this church. The criticism, the complaint, the conflict, the infighting and backbiting, the drama of it all. Some days it felt like it wasn't worth it. Some days it felt like I'd rather do anything than pastor this church. Some days I'd leave my office saying, I'd rather sell hot dogs at Camden Yards. And I'm not even a baseball fan. <laughs> expectation can be frustrating. It can be disappointing. But living without expectations is worse. It's no way to live. We eventually become cynical and depressed. The human heart wants and needs to live in expectation of more, of better, of a better future. And that's what God wants too. God doesn't want to give us less than we hope for. He wants to give us more. Elsewhere makes the remarkable promise to us. He said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. He has an abundant life in mind for us, and he wants it more than we want it for ourselves. We need to live in expectation, but not just any expectation. We need to live in holy expectation. What's that? Holy expectation is linked to the virtues of faith and hope. Holy expectation believes in God's power and goodness no matter what, even when things don't seem to work out the way we, we want them to. Holy expectation trusts God with the future knowing he's bringing all things together for our good. That's an amazing promise, but it is the promise God makes to us. So, when we find ourselves starting to sink into lower expectations, what can we do? Well, we can do what Habakkuk did. He tells us, I will stand at my guard post and station myself apart upon the rampart. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what answer he will give to my complaint. Habakkuk complains to God for sure. 
But he also expects God to answer him. That's important. He expects God to give him direction and counsel. You know, your chances of hearing from God go up exponentially when you actually expect that he's going to answer you. They go up even more when you position yourself in a way that in a place where you can actually hear and receive his answer. Habakkuk goes to the ramparts. Watchmen at that time would stand guard on the ramparts, the highest points of the defensive walls of the city. And they did that because from the ramparts, they had the widest possible view. Habakkuk positions himself for the widest possible view to keep watch for God, for God's direction, for God's movement, for God's answer. If you hold on to hope, if you determine to stand firm in faith, even when you're disappointed, even when you're discouraged, even when God doesn't seem to come through, if you position yourself to hear his answer and expect him to answer, God will answer. It might not be the answer you want, but God will answer. Look what happened to Habakkuk. Then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision upon the tablets so that they're easy to read. For the vision has its time, presses to fulfillment and will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not be late. Vision. Vision is a picture of a preferred future. It's a suggestion of what could be and should be, but doesn't currently exist. God tells Habakkuk he does indeed see the problems the prophet sees. His heart is, in fact, moved by the situation, and he definitely intends to do something about it. He has a vision for the future, but his vision has an appointed time. And we know that that time did eventually come with the coming of Christ. Now, in Christ, God has a vision for all of us, for each of us, for a life of healing and wholeness, for a life of purpose and blessing, for a life that is a blessing to others. And in Christ, God has a vision for the whole world, for its increasing transformation by the gospel. So, this week, in your quiet time, why not take some time to express yourself to, to God? Share your frustrations and fears, your worries and woes with him. Be honest. It's okay if you're even a little, a little angry. He can take it. Go somewhere where God can show you a preferred future. Habakkuk went to the ramparts. Where can you position yourself sometime this week for the widest possible view? Maybe some quiet time here in church before the blessed sacrament or a quiet place at home, or even your favorite hiking trail. Position yourself to see what God wants you to see. Ask God to show you a preferred future. And give it some time. Wait for it. I don't know if you know this or not, but this verse from Habakkuk, vision has an appointed time. It's a very special verse 
around here and in the recent history of our parish, so much so that we put it on a plaque that hangs out on the concourse. If you haven't seen it, after Mass, ask one of our host team members to direct you there. Some churches have plaques everywhere. They put a plaque on everything. But we just have one plaque, and it quotes Habakkuk. Our cafe is named for this verse, too, the Vision Cafe. And that's because the campaign to build this church took this verse for its inspiration. When we launched the campaign in 2014, the project seemed so impossibly high a hill to climb. The price tag unreachable, the design difficult, the construction complex, the timing baffling, the neighbors resistant, and the county all but impossible. But we proceeded in expectation that God could make it happen. We planned and proceeded in faith and hope, and we asked the prisoners to do the same, to give in faith and hope, and they did. And this fall, this fall, we celebrate the fifth anniversary of this church's dedication, entirely debt-free from the day of its dedication, which was a kind of miracle in itself. Five years, five years of joy and blessing, of inspiration and celebration in this beautiful place. You could call it a monument to holy expectation.